Hello, I'm Justin Wheeler, and welcome to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. Welcome back, nonprofit friends. Nonstop Nonprofit has a whole new season ahead, and we're kicking it off with a compilation series loaded with live interviews from AFP Icon 2022. Hang out at our booth with us and talk to nonprofit's brightest stars about trends, impact, and the future of fundraising. As a bonus, we're capping this series off with the best clips from last season. So if you're new to the podcast, stick with us. You'll get all the goods in a fraction of the time. Episode four of our compilation series features Taylor Shanklin, Madison Gonzalez, Chad Barger, and Courtney Gaines. Let's dive in. It is your number one priority to ensure that your business can continue to deliver on its mission, whether it's this year, next year, and beyond. So we're creating this inclusive environment, building between diverse communities to ensure that our young people can thrive. I'm always so baffled when I when I do webinars, and there's always somebody at the end who raises their hand and says, I'm the development director, should I have access to the budget? I'm always like, yes, you've got to know that. The best thing you can ever do as a nonprofit leader is spend as much money as possible on your story then you're doing it wrong okay that is unacceptable and that is not the way to run a board the best thing that we can do is just raise as much money as possible and then give it to the people around the world if you're going to be sustainable you have to have a multi-channel strategy to reach all of these different generations of donors however they want to be reached one of the principal values that we carry as an organization is to lift grace over guilt. And we believe that grace is the greatest agent for change that anyone can ever experience. We all need each other in terms of other nonprofits working together to solve things. The more nonprofits can give their donor base that experience of the impact that's being made on the ground level, there's nothing else you have to give someone. This is Nonstop Nonprofit. In this segment, Taylor Shanklin, CEO, founder, and expert marketing leader, brings some interesting examples of nonprofits overcoming growth obstacles with some innovation and explains how changing your mindset can change everything. Taylor, thank you so much for joining the podcast here at AFP. How are you doing? Good. It's good to be here. Thanks, Justin. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to, something I've been thinking about Lately, I'd love to get your kind of thoughts and perspective on it. I've been thinking about the pace in which nonprofits move, specifically around change. Mm. Um, Am am I in my head or do you see this as as a challenge in in this space today? Oh, it's absolutely a challenge. And the bigger you are, the more averse to change you are. I've seen this my entire career. I've been working in the nonprofit sector for about 15 years now. And it is the thing that I think holds nonprofits back the most we as humans are like risk averse and we don't like change it's in our very nature i think not to like change but for some reason in the nonprofit space like it's it's worse than other other arenas and i've been in startup before i've been in for profit and it's certainly something that affects this sector more yeah and honestly like we need to do something about it and i think part of it is just helping to shift mindsets yeah totally you know, um, Facebook used to have a value, move fast, break things. Yeah. And they became famous for it early on. And they've, they've, such, they've since moved away because they were breaking too many things. Right, yeah. Um, you but can it, go it, too far. <laughs> you can go too far. But it did. It led to, obviously, enormous growth. And I know that, you know, Facebook is different than, than a nonprofit organization. But I do think that 
the inability for organizations, and like you said, like especially large organizations, to move fast, especially around things that I would I would say are, are less risky, um, like new tech, new fundraising programs. Um, it really it has a, a long term impact on the growth of the organization. It does. You know, sometimes I'm going to say something people might not like. Sometimes I wonder how much they want to grow. Hmm. You know, and I, I know that that sounds weird and it might not even be on a conscious level. Yeah. But you do have to ask that question. What is it that makes nonprofits so uh, hesitant to hmm. make changes? I've seen little things like things like you said that you would think would be simple. Adopting a project management tool for example. Yeah. I've seen that take months and months and it's like it's Trello, y'all. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a free a, version. <laughs> it's free. It's supposed to help you get organized yeah. so that you can do a better job with your campaigns, with raising money, with keeping all of your stuff together and yet well, I don't know. I just, you know, can't learn it. Is so-and-so going to be upset we're not using this project management tool? And so I think people get too much in their heads yeah. and think that they have to get buy-in at every little level. Yeah. I think yeah. people have a lot of fear. And so they go around and it's like death by committee. Yeah. In more startup world, like you do see that fail faster motto right. often. And it's true, sometimes you can go a little too fast and you have to slow down, but I do think it helps you learn. And I think that's one of the things that nonprofits miss out on by not changing anything. They are missing out on a lot of learning opportunity. Yeah. They look at failure as a, as a net negative, not necessarily a net positive. Yeah. And there's a lot of learning when, when you fail. Yeah. And going back to the buy-in, I often refer to, to death by board because yeah. and this is, I think this is less common at the larger nonprofits, more in the mid to like smaller nonprofits where the board has to sign off on approval for everything. Yeah. And that's just not the function of, of the board and it shouldn't be the function of the board. In many ways, you know, I, I have a thesis, which we won't go too much into, that boards are one of the number one causes for lack of growth in mm -hmm. smaller to mid-sized nonprofits. I don't know if, you have, if you've seen that or experienced that. Yes, absolutely. I think it's a good thesis, and I've definitely seen it happen. I do think that it's – I don't understand it either. Like, yeah. why? I don't, I don't think that that's the board's – maybe I don't know enough about boards, <laughs> you know? Like, well, their fiduciary <laughs> – their, their primary is to be fiduciary responsible for the organization. Right. A budget gets passed. It's passed. Yeah. You don't need to make you don't need to make decisions on software that the nonprofit's buying yeah. and, and so forth. And so I think that there's there's just too much oversight. Um, yeah. And and you know that that is what it is. But the other the other thing I wanted to ask about uh, is uh, sort of on the opposite or mm -hmm. nonprofits that maybe you've seen are moving fast and are uh, prioritizing growth and exploring um, new things. Is there any is there a nonprofit or two that stands out in your mind that you think is a good sort of case study for this concept of moving fast? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you one example. This is an organization I used to work with. I don't work with now, but I've got a good friend there, and she's been telling me about how they are starting a peer-to-peer -peer pickleball oh, interesting. program. Because apparently pickleball is the fastest-growing sport in America. I don't know if you knew that. I found that out recently. I do have a pickleball net. <laughs> Everyone loves pickleball. <laughs> yeah. I remember playing as a kid. And it's really funny because I've now, she was telling me how like they're, they're working on implementing this and they're like, you know what? We decided they've done walks for years. They've done employee engagement, peer-to-peer -peer programs for years. And now they are doing something on pickleball because 
it's an innovative sport that apparently is picking up a lot of steam. Huh. So I think that's a good example of it, it'll be interesting. It hasn't launched yet, so that's probably why I'm not naming it because I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's an interesting example of them looking at the market yeah. and saying, what's new and exciting and different and how can we take the same principles of peer-to-peer and social fundraising and take that into something that people haven't done before? Maybe they reminisce as a kid playing pickleball at summer camp, whatever, yeah. and coming back and getting involved in something that feels new. And I think it doesn't even take all that much to give your donors, people who interact with your organization, something that just feels new. Yep. But like, so it's pickleball. Like, why? It's not risky. Yeah. Like, yeah. it sounds fun. <laughs> Let's just try it. Totally. You know, so it's cool to see them doing that. Yeah. I love pickleball, so I'm going to keep it's my out for fun. this uh, this uh, this fundraising campaign. I think I'm going to go play. Well, so funny thing, I live in a little town in the mountains in North Carolina, and the rec center is building pickleball. Like, I go to the rec center down the street because I go swim there a lot. They have new pickleball courts that they're putting in. So I learned about this. I've heard one or two other people talk about pickleball lately, and then the rec center, they're like, we're putting in pickleball. I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> That's awesome. What are you most excited for? This is a question I've been asking uh, here with different nonprofit leaders and service providers is what what are you most excited for for the remainder of 2022? Whether it's a project you're working on, uh, something new you're developing for uh, alongside your clients. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what are you excited, looking forward to the next, uh, call it seven months? Ah, seven months. I I do move fast and fail fast. So I think two or three months okay. ahead, Justin. No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm excited. There's a project that I've been having a lot of conversations on, and it's building out an e-commerce experience for an organization. And they're they're thinking different about, like, they're actually bringing their kind of social enterprise group and their nonprofit group together to say, how can we fundraise and invest in our community and our partners to build something that's different than just fundraising and so we're working on this whole Shopify thing for them. I've never worked with a nonprofit before on a Shopify site and thinking through like how do we they're going to provide low cost um, special assistance products on this site to people who need them so I think that's something that it's nice to see that kind of innovation where they're thinking different and outside the box and it's not just your standard well let's just throw up a donation campaign they're like no no let's sell a product Let's sell that product at a good price for people who need that product. And let's do it on a tool like Shopify, which is more modern, which you see more in the for-profit space usually. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. cool. All right. I know you have to speak here in a few minutes. So yeah. um, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, there's no wrong answer. All there right. are better answers, but no wrong answers. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. Movies or series? Movies. What's your favorite movie? Ooh. I don't know. I like, um, this is a really dumb one, but I really love that movie Can't Hardly Wait Okay. with Keith Ledger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I used to watch <laughs> it a lot. I mean, I haven't seen it in years, but that was the first, the first movie thing that, that popped, popped up? into All my right. head. There you go. It's, it's left. Tacos or cheeseburgers? Tacos. Tacos. Yeah. Beach or the mountains? The mountains. You're in the mountains. Yes. What, what, where, what mountain in North Carolina? Or I live in Boone. Oh, it's no. It's close to Asheville. Oh, my gosh. So I did. Mm-hmm. I used to be, uh, I used to work at Invisible Children. Yeah. And we uh, we toured uh, to, in Boone all the time. Oh, and I stayed you? there a couple nights. I was like, this is the coolest mountain town I've ever been I to. I love it. I yeah. love it. That's I moved awesome. from Texas. It's totally different. Very different scenery. I, very different. Very I different scenery. Yeah. Nice. All right. 
Uh, digital reading or an actual book? Book. Book. Hardcover yeah. or soft? Soft. Really? Yeah. Just more compact, easy to travel with? Or? I have small hands, okay. and I think something, yeah, yeah, moving it around, and I don't know, it's just easier to easier. navigate. All right, all right. <laughs> Ice cream or froyo? Ice cream. Ice cream, yeah. me too. Football or football? Oh, foosball. No, football. Foot, foot. Football. Football or, or football? Or football. Oh, I don't know. Football. <laughs> okay. That was hard to, to say. I don't know why it's hard to say. If I had to, to choose one. <laughs> uh, all right. Pickleball, man. Come Pickleball, on. Yeah. We talked about yeah, this. Hey, there's no wrong answer. There you go. <laughs> Moana or Aladdin? Aladdin. Aladdin. Yeah. The cartoon or the oh, real the one? Cartoon. The cartoon. real one's pretty good, though. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm old school cartoon. Yeah. I love Jasmine. Love Jasmine. Yeah. All right. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for uh, joining us. <laughs> Appreciate it. Good me. luck on your uh, talk today. Thanks, Justin. This was All fun. Right. Thanks. Bye. In this segment, Madison Gonzalez, ED of Morning Light, brings hot storytelling tips and reminders designed to push you past the planning stage into serious story mode. It's amazing how many aha moments she covered in our time chatting. Madison, thank you so much for joining Nonstop Nonprofit Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. So happy to be here. Thank you is, for having me. Absolutely. Is, is this your first time AFP or have you been coming over the... Yeah, years? so this is my first AFP icon. I've been to another uh, conference lead in Indianapolis, okay, uh, yeah. which is my hometown. Okay. So I was, I was happy to drive down the street and go to that. Yeah, awesome. So uh, before we jump into today's topic of storytelling... Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your nonprofit. I would love to. So my nonprofit really dovetails right into storytelling. I learned the power of story through it. Um, we're called Morning Light, and we operate the Abbey Hunt Bryce Home in Indianapolis, which is a free hospice home. So you can imagine being terminally ill, um, which is six months or less to live. And you can imagine not having a home and not having a support system. The people we serve have both of those. Um, and so we really try to make the end of life as peaceful, as comfortable as possible. Um, we believe that nobody should die alone. And we believe that everybody, regardless of your background, income, should have dignity at hmm. the end of life. Absolutely. And the end of life is such a unique and beautiful time because people are so open and reflective and eager to share their insights, their experiences, the things that they've learned. Everybody wants to leave a legacy. And so when I started working at Morning Light and interviewing the people that we serve and just getting to know them as human beings, I developed this uh, obsession, I guess you could say, with storytelling and legacy and just the power of all of that. Yeah. How did you get involved with the organization what led you to to that line of work it's a funny story so my background is actually event planning so my passion is celebrating life I mm. love you know holidays events yeah I went to school for that I did one wedding and I thought no thank you I don't want to do that anymore and so I decided to use my my interests I guess to hopefully make a difference so I just started looking for event planning work in the nonprofit sector and I landed at morning light and so I think I have a unique perspective a little bit yeah. because I came into the end of life and senior and hospice at kind of a young age where I didn't even realize the value of what that looks like. Yeah. You don't, you know, at that age, you don't really get past like the next week. Right. So right. thinking, thinking that far ahead just wasn't something that I had done before. But as I mentioned, once I started really talking to the people that we serve and like getting to know them. I just developed an intense um, interest and, and passion for the cause. I started as an admin helping with events. 
and now I'm the executive director um, and very proud to be there. Awesome, amazing. So let's dive into storytelling a little bit. You know, arguably nonprofits have the best stories to tell. Absolutely. But we often don't, we don't see nonprofits tell stories well or maybe not even at all. Sure. Um, what's the importance and significance of storytelling, especially as it relates to nonprofits and fundraising and you know, stewardship of donors and so forth? So I'm really nerdy about storytelling because it's actually very psychological, which is something that I'm interested in. Human brains are hardwired to connect to story. We've been you know, consuming stories since childhood with bedtime stories. We all have our favorite Netflix show that we like to watch. People look to stories to learn, right? From other people's successes, from other people's mistakes. Um, and so we're eager to consume them. Our brains just like them more than other forms of communication, like statistics, updates, yeah. that kind of thing. So if you can take your abstract mission, for example, free hospice housing, that's an abstract mission, but you can give it a face and a name and an identity like Richard, someone that we served, um, and tell his story. You know, how did he get there? What kind of common denominators might he have with a donor or someone who wants to support? You know, what, what might he um, enjoy as a human being that your audience can see themselves connecting to? Yeah. And then also just displaying that, that classic kind of struggle and then overcoming scenario, right? We all need a, a good struggle. All nonprofits are solving issues and conflicts yep. and solutions. Yep. Infusing your story with you know what that struggle is, but not focusing on that. Focusing mm. on on the overcoming aspect. Yeah. So the resilience, the courage, the compassion, the bravery, the fun of helping someone else. If you can talk about all of those kind of qualities in your story. You'll inspire your listener to then want to join you on that story. Yeah. So it's, so it's super important because, first of all, you're breaking down those barriers. You're breaking down, you know, stigma. You're, you're giving them something interesting to consume. But then you're inviting them to become a part of the story as yeah. well. Yeah. It reminds me, I read this book. I forget the author, but it's called Story. Okay. Uh, and it, it's a, it was a USC professor, like in the school of, uh, film school. And uh, he, he talked about like every story needs, you know, you, you mentioned struggle. Like he talked about it in the, in the concept of like a climax, right? Like yes. you're working up towards this climax and then like you're, you're taking like the audience back down, the yes. resolution, exactly. like afterwards. And you know, that leads me into, into the, somewhat of a controversial topic, I think with nonprofits. A lot of times, you know, I think you have two types of like story, storytelling in nonprofits today. It's like, one is like sort of like the gravity, right? Sure. Like how bad it is for, for like, are these, these people and you, you show you know photos that could be disingenuous mm. or photos that maybe like remove the dignity you know from from the individual and then you have organizations I think Charity Water does this really well where they focus they focus on the like the potential the success yes you know they, they really help bring the the audience into what you can help accomplish and Absolutely. how you can get the get hope. there the, the hope, hope thank you I was like sure. struggling to yeah, find that no, word exactly so do you think there is a right and wrong way do you think I that do. like so yeah, I'd love to let's I do, that. Yeah, so I do a lot of teaching on this, um, and it's it's really something that I think is relevant today is the ethical component of storytelling. Yeah. Not exploiting people. People don't want to be cast as a victim. Nobody wants to be a victim, right? We want to showcase, look, these people were dealt a hard hand, or maybe they made some bad choices along the way that got them in a position that they're in now. Maybe they inherited this. Maybe it's stigma and society that's caused this. You never know why someone's backstory has led them to where they are. But I think it's really important to just ethically to showcase 
the story in a way that they would want it to be told, yeah. you know, showcasing, yeah. like I said, their courage or their kindness or their intellect through the struggle. So we're not necessarily trying to get that shock factor out of everyone. Yeah. Like you said, it's the gravity that I think a lot of nonprofits have done in the past and maybe just didn't know better because, you know, gravity, I mean, you think about the puppies with Sarah McLaughlin over there, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, it's very emotional. It's very impactful. However, I think there's a better way to do it personally, which is to showcase, you know, the hope, like yeah. you said, and yeah. inspiring people. Yeah. Um, I, bringing them in in that way. I, like, I think of a, a brand that I often think of that that's exceptional storytelling. And I think a lot of nonprofits can borrow from is Nike, right? Yeah. Like Nike, Nike, like they make you believe that if you wear their shoes, you're going to be an Olympian athlete, right? <laughs> and yeah. that's, that's like their, their, like they don't like talk about, you know, you need to, you need to work out more because you need to do X, Y, and Z. Right. They're more like focus on like, you know, just this kind of like dream that yeah. at one point maybe all of us had. So I, th I think that's, that's interesting. What I do want to dig into is going back to sort of like why so little nonprofits tell great stories. Mm. And I think you see this in the way they budget. Sure. And so as, as an executive director, I would love to know, like, what's the priority of storytelling, even at the like budget level? Yeah. Uh, a lot of organizations look at it as an expense, as a yeah. negative thing. And so I'd just love to like hear your thought process on and how that gets prioritized. Yeah, that's a great question. We're a very small nonprofit, honestly. Morning Light is small. Um, and so you have to get creative with how you're sharing your stories. Thank goodness for social media. It's free. Thank goodness for phones with photos and videos. It's free. Yeah. What you need to do, in my opinion, that doesn't even cost that much, is just have the conversations with people. Just ask them. And I think one of the reasons that people don't tell the stories is because I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with broaching that subject with people. Hmm. We're kind of almost taught not to pry, like not to ask those personal questions. Yeah. However, you may be the only person in that person's life to huh. take an interest in their life. As a nonprofit, a professional, you have, like you said, direct access to some of the most incredible stories known to man, right? Yeah. We are serving these really unique populations that have a story to share and maybe no one's ever asked them. So instead of worrying about like, oh, I don't want to make them uncomfortable, of course you always give them the option to share or not. Yeah. You know, it's not a requirement. Yeah. There's no punishment if you don't share the story. But think about what it would mean to you for someone just to come up to you and say, tell me about your life. You know, what, what insights do you want to share? What legacy do you want to leave? Yep. Um, what message do you have? And then we have this unique way as a nonprofit, as a following, as a voice in the community to then showcase those stories and those voices. And it doesn't take a lot of money. You can do it through email. You can do it online. One of my favorite things that I was taught, especially with social media, is the idea of this episodic approach. So you get the story, and it's a whole story, right? You, you touched on um, some, of the, some of the components of a story. You have the setup, you have the confrontation, you yeah. have the climax, and then the resolution. If you can break each of those kind of components of the story up into different materials, you're introducing a character, you're introducing a hook, you're getting them interested in that person's yeah. life, but then you take them on the journey with you. And you can post multiple pieces of content. You can share multiple email updates. You know, here's where they were. Here's where they are now. Here's what they want you to know. Quotes, testimonials, getting it directly from the person also really helps with not uh, exploiting them, as we talked yeah, about. You yeah. know, uh, those direct quotes, those videos. All you have to do is open your phone and say, do you mind if I record, you know, you, you sharing your story for a few minutes? It doesn't have to be production. Yeah. It doesn't have to be bringing in an ex, you know, these big expenses of thousands of dollars for, for first class videos. 
we are actually quite accustomed to consuming iPhone content yeah. all the time, right? Yeah. Um, nobody's going to frown upon that. Yeah. So I really wouldn't let budget be a barrier because you already have the tools. If yeah. you have people that work for you, you have people that you serve, you have the you know a, a phone, and you have a Facebook page. Yeah. You've got what it takes to start sharing those stories. Totally. Has storytelling always been a priority of, of your organization, or is that something that you helped kind of usher in as the executive director? I love that question. So we we didn't always share our content in the form of story. Okay. It used to be this abstract, right? We're free hospice. Um, I think what I brought in, because I'm, I'm a writer by passion, you know, I've always written and I, I really appreciated the stories. I said, we need to be showcasing these human beings. We need to be saying names and showing faces. And when we did that, we actually saw a major increase. So since I've, I've come on board for about five years now, and we've increased our fundraising 120%. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. I think that a lot of that is just due to how we framed the language. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a shortcut to communication. Yeah. And actually, I won the Storyteller of the Year Award at the One Cause um, Raise Conference in oh, 2019 wow. for some of the work that we've done. And the secret really is don't let the budget be the barrier. Yeah. You just have like to that. find those stories. <clears throat> the other um, little hot tip that I have that I, I do want to share is if you have a great story and you've packaged a great story, you've done the work for the media. So if you start to reach out to some contacts in hmm. your um, hometown or you know wh wherever your community consumes their content, news stations, newspapers, other kinds of um, you know PR, Yeah will be more interested in partnering with you because you've done the work for them. Oh, you say, listen, I have this great story. Listen to this inspiring story. I think your, your listeners will really resonate with it. Yeah. Then they don't have to come in and improv. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're kind of doing the That's work for them, and that really worked for us. We got in several newspapers, news stations, and I think that really helped us spread our awesome. message. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love that hustle. That's a, yeah. that's a great, that's I'm a a great tip. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. All right, so um, I have a few last questions. Uh, rapid fire. There's no. Oh there's gosh, no, this is stressing me. <laughs> there's no. Uh, there's no wrong or, or right answer here. Okay. Um, so let's go through them. Oh, All right. Okay. So movies or series? Ooh. Uh, oh gosh, series. 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 Okay. Uh, tacos or cheeseburgers? Tacos. Tacos. Beach or the mountains? Beach all day. Beach, yeah, oh, good, good, good. Yep. Digital reading or an actual book? Book. I like the paper. Turn hard the pages. Or soft, hard or soft cover? Um, uh, soft. Soft. I do. I okay. like the soft covers. Like, tra tra easier to travel with, or you just yeah, just you can like flip them yeah. and kind of move them. They're, okay. they're lighter. Yeah, yeah. Ice cream or froyo? Ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah, yeah. everyone is being saying ice cream. I think froyo is on its way out. That's, I, I'm I, sorry, I but yeah. I think it had its moment. It did. Football or football? <laughs> That's a good question. So I'm actually engaged to a, uh, a UK uh, resident. Okay. Uh, yes. So he's he's getting me into the football. <laughs> but my dad would say football. So <laughs> you're torn. I'm torn. You're torn. I'm torn. You, uh, well, congratulations on on the engagement. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Last one here. Moana or Aladdin? Oh, I love this. I'm a Disney nerd completely. Okay. I can't choose. I'm sorry. It's okay. That's I'm sorry. Fine. Aladdin was my time. Moana's my kids' time. It's got a special place in both my hearts. Yeah. I love both. There you go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you for having me. This is fantastic. Absolutely. In this segment, Chad Barger, otherwise known as Fundraiser Chad and founder of Productive Fundraising, looks back at the effect the pandemic has had on fundraising events. The result? A world that needs both virtual and in-person events to maximize participation. 
Chad, thank you for joining uh, the podcast. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How is uh, how's AFP been so far? Uh, it's Icon. We're back in person, seeing people you haven't seen in three years. So it's been fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so I understand you're speaking tomorrow, talking about events. Yeah, I'm doing a session called Productive Events. Uh, we're kind of talking through, you know, the last two years have been a little challenging for events. So maybe we made some changes and now we maybe can go back to normal, but do we want to? We're yeah. looking at those true purpose of events and taking this as an opportunity, not just, a, oh, I can't wait to go back to doing what we always did. Yeah, I'm really curious about, because um, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of really good lessons were learned in the pandemic for organizations. Um, and you know, early on, we heard about a lot of success stories of organizations who went hybrid or who went virtual. Um, and, and so I'm curious as well to see if it's gonna, gonna stick around. It's all good. We can, we can, uh, his phone is off. Um, I'll, I'll just kind of start. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't hear that probably, huh? Okay, cool. That's all good. Um, I'll wind, I'll wind back a little bit. Um, yeah, something I've been very curious about is, uh, now that events are possible to do in person, will, or will nonprofits go back to that? And, you know, one of the, the things in particular I'm interested in is specifically around galas. Um, I think that the beauty of what happened over the pandemic was that people were able to re reach a much larger audience for sure with their events. Yep. And if they go back in person, are they going to keep that digital component of, of, of the event? And yeah. so what, what are your thoughts? We're definitely right in the midst of exploring that right now. I mean, many groups are going back to what I did before or I can do in person. They're super excited, you know, the virtual hybrid kind of thing. It took a lot of work to learn yeah. and not everybody loved it. Not yeah. everybody's that digital native or had that training, you know, they had to hire somebody or figure it out real fast. So I see a big retreat of people wanting to go back. But we also taught our donors that we can do these virtual events. There can be other experiences. Yeah. Um, so a quick story. I had a client in the fall. They took their gala back to in-person. And they got about half the audience. Um, you know, not everybody was comfortable yet, but they wanted to. And then they had the other half of the audience say, you know, remember last year when we did that virtual event? You know, you sent me wine and uh, showed up online and there was a sommelier that walked me through a wine tasting or something and I sat on my couch in my pajamas and I still paid you 250 bucks. Yeah, I want to do that again. <laughs> you know, I, I like that. I yeah. Don't have to put the tux on, give up my Saturday night. And I'm seeing that, you know, they'll still come to some things, but maybe they want that option. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of thinking like we need something in our portfolio that kind of appeals to both. To both, yeah. And our other big side too is is this hybrid word of like, you know, doing the in-person, but having the online component and I can join in. And it's just really, really hard to do well. Yeah. Not having somebody feel like they're left out. And it's usually the virtual folks. Like you can't just put up a camera in the back of the room yeah. and say, you know. Call it, call it a, yeah. yeah. It's more like producing a 30 minute television show. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. To do it right, it, it's, it's a lot more challenging. But I think the interesting thing is galas require so much work around mm -hmm. the programming, right? Like usually exclusive content's created, you know, for the events, whether it's, whether it's video format or right. whatever it might be, a lot of time and effort. And it's, it's, it's a bummer that it, it only, you know, two, three hundred people get to experience it yep. over, you know, and so what, what's nice about the sort of hybrid approach is a lot more shelf life, right. a lot more eyeballs on it. Accessibility and equity. I mean, yeah. those are kind of the two things. Like yeah. anybody can get to it, um, you know, much broader audience. Our sponsors are happier because they, you know, get much dis much more reach, you know, you can actually play their 30 second commercial in the middle of your gala without having to rent $5,000 worth of equipment, to yeah. do it, you know, actually in the ballroom. 
uh, and we just have all this shelf life. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned accessibility and equity, you know, so anybody could get to it. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, people that, that might not be fully able to, but also folks, you know, when I was a development director, I would have donors that said, you know, I'd love to come to your gala, but I just don't drive at night. So I'm not going to yeah. go home. So they could do it. Yeah. Um, and on the equity side, you know, anybody could attend. It wasn't, you know, oh, I can't afford the $250 ticket. You know, the virtual events had much different pricing options. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So your uh, company, Productive Fundraising, right. talk us about your core kind of focus. So we do um, fundraising training and coaching, okay. um, primarily focusing on small to mid-sized shops and have a kind of some key niches, uh, a lot in the library field and museums as well. So, okay. and we, you know, do a lot of virtual training, board training, those kind of things. And we have a free monthly webinar series, okay. uh, which has proven to be pretty popular. So what was the jump from being on the front lines as a development director to more of the coach trainer? Yeah, role? kind of fell into that role. I was uh, doing my dream job. I was the executive director of a United Arts Fund. I'm a former band geek, so I uh, loved being that talking head that would come on stage at the yeah. beginning of the concert and tell you to turn off your cell phone, uh, which I failed to do at this interview. <laughs> I know you guys are going to take it out, but you know, just uh, epic fail there. So I was loving that, you know, raising mostly corporate money for the arts in my community and um, got really involved with AFP, became a chapter president, started getting asked to speak, learned that I love speaking because that's like a rehearsed performance, just like marching band was, yeah. you know, kind of deal. Yeah. And uh, yeah, then more speak, people just say, hey, will you come into my shop and work with us and fell into it and learned I love that too. And about five years ago, I had to make the hard decision of, oh, which way? Yeah, so, um, that's awesome. But can't totally stop. So I still volunteer and fundraise for some causes in my community okay. as well. Cool. So, yeah. What would you say is some of the biggest gaps uh, that you see as you work with clients and, and tra on training uh, development directors that you're that you're helping? Uh... Yeah, I think I can approach that two ways. Like, uh, there's definitely sometimes a knowledge gap in fundraising, especially it's so hard to find you know a, a knowledgeable fundraiser. There's definitely more opportunity than there are people. So a lot of times, folks will hire for you know passion and just you know somebody they know that can be a good relationship builder. Yeah and then kind of teach that skill set later. So we do a good bit of onboarding, onboarding coaching work that way. Uh, but usually that's fixable. Like I say, I can't fix passion. You got to have that. Yeah. I can't make you a people person. You kind of got to have that. We can do the skills. Yeah. But the other side I see too is people that just struggle with like how to work, like how to manage myself, like all this emails and meetings and skills. And now with the whole virtual and at home and like, it's just this how to handle everything yeah. um, and time, energy, attention. So I'm a bit of a productivity nerd as well. So I love helping people with that, with some, some suggestions and tips as well. Awesome. What are you looking forward to the remainder of 2022, whether it's uh, new projects that you're, you're working on or something new you're trying out in with your business? Yeah, well, I'm just excited to finally be, uh, finally be back out on the road. Yeah. Um, so I typically travel once a month to a random AFP chapter or, you know, Iowa Museums Association, something like that for, yeah. for conferences. And that really revs me up and keeps me moving. So the road show is back on and uh, and here we go. Nice. So, um, yeah. yeah. So looking forward to seeing people out and about anywhere. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Great. All right. I got some rapid fire questions oh boy. Uh, for right. you. So don't worry. Uh, no uh, right or wrong answer here. But we'll start with, are you more of a movies or series guy? I'm going to opt down and go podcasts, but podcast, if, you, okay. if you force me to turn the screen on, I'll say series. Series. So, okay. Yeah. So what's your uh, top three favorite podcasts? Ooh, that is or really, really hard. Um, mm -hmm. 
I love stuff in that productivity space, being okay. a productivity nerd. So um, I'll go with Asian efficiency. So it's great tips, uh, excellent hosts, um, good folks. Awesome, cool. Uh, tacos or cheeseburgers? Tacos. Tacos. Beach or the mountains? Mountains. Mountains. The scout leader. Mountains. Yeah. Oh, yeah? yeah? And you're fine with the cold? Uh, yeah, there's no such thing as too cold. It's just wrong gear. Uh, so, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. I love, I try to hike about 20 miles a week. So Wow. Yeah. Wow. Digital reading or an actual book? I do like the actual books, but they're just hard to carry around some or digital. Or I digital. always have the Kindle with me. Yeah. Or maybe a, a, a listen, uh, the audio. Yeah, but I have too many podcasts. So I don't have <laughs> enough room for yeah. the, the audio books. Uh, ice cream or Froyo? Uh, it's got to have bacon on it if I'm going to eat it. I, I have no sweet tooth. so. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, all savory, huh? Yeah, so I like the jalapeno kettle cooked chips. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That's Whole bags, thing. just going to eat it at once. Yeah. <laughs> Next time we'll have one, a bag for all you. Right, yeah. sitting here. Football or football? Football. football. Go Steelers. Go Steelers. Uh, last one, Moana or Aladdin? Both good. I'm going to go Aladdin because I remember being 12 when it came out and seeing it in the theater. And it was yeah. awesome. That kind of took animation to another new level. And I saw the uh, Broadway production on Broadway. And it was pretty cool. I oh, still cool. don't know how the genie came out of the floor. You know, <laughs> mystified. Mystery. Uh, yeah. mis still mystery. Yep. Still mystery. Sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining the podcast again. I look forward to uh, having more conversations in the future. Sounds great. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. In this segment, Courtney Gaines, Senior Vice President at Next After, shares the one thing that every nonprofit has to do, large or small, whatever the level of tech savviness, no matter the mission, and how your nonprofit's culture is stopping you from doing it. Courtney, yes. so good to have you here. Yes. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. How's uh, how's AFP been for so far? Great. It's my first time, actually. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. spoke this morning about value proposition. Had a great crowd. Awesome. So, yeah, good, glad to be here. The only thing AFP is missing is the themed events, You know, you, you know? are so right. <laughs> like, where's... Where's the Wizard of Oz? I don't know. Where's don't the know. Willy Wonka? Exactly. I know. Exactly. Yeah, not We're to not to plug our summit or anything, but uh, September, uh, you Kansas all City. should go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, I was yeah. actually talking last night. Was, I forgot. I, I forget the nonprofit, but sure. I was talking about NIO. Yeah. And and we actually were debating: is it NIO or is it? N well, it's that's a that's the great the debate. The, the, yeah. yeah. No, I call it NEO. NEO. Okay. Okay. I was employee four, so I mean, there's some weight behind yeah, that. Yeah. You know? So Neo, it is. We got. Neo we're going with is. Neo. Yeah. <laughs> and I was telling them, I was like, because they're like, you were talking about like best nonprofit conferences. Sure. I was like, I said NIO, but now it's going to be Neo. Yeah. And I was, and they're like, why? I was like, well, one, the themes are always just over the top. <laughs> Off the charts. Yeah. 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 So we like, we're looking at like who has them. a chocolate fountain going mm. through the you know the floor of, no of their one. their yeah speaking gig. Yeah. Anyway, so tell us a little bit. I mean, we've had sure. we've talked with a few people next after, yeah. but for those uh, just tuning in, tell us a little bit about next after and what sure. you guys uh, specialize in. Yeah, we're really three things: we're a research lab, a training institute, and then a digital first agency. Okay. So we work with the top okay. about five to ten percent of nonprofits, and really with the the goal of building and growing their digital uh, fundraising programs. So one would maybe think top five ten percent nonprofits <clears throat> have it all together. <laughs> My guess is they're dinosaurs, <laughs> and there's a lot of overhaul that needs to, to happen. What, What's the experience? Yeah, right. Whether you're a mom, pa shop, or of the top 5 to 10%, I think everyone deals with the same challenges, You know, whether that's technology or, honestly, very foundational, just like understanding donors. As good as we, we all think we might be or understand 
um, our donors as well as we do. We don't. Yeah. And and we we know that and we see that through the testing that we do. So. And I imagine I mean with with the uh, the size of nonprofits you work with, you know, they're at a certain scale, mm-hmm. and so you see a lot of interesting insights or learnings yeah. from a, the perspective of, of fundraising. What do you see works at scale that maybe doesn't work for like a smaller organization? Sure. I think actually what's surprising about that, Justin, is that whether it's small or large, a lot of it is repeatable. Okay. And I think that that's what t- technology is so great about is that some of the things that we do on the smaller scale, one-to-one communication, we can do at the large scale. You know, um, one of the biggest things over the last year and even like what COVID, ha- I think, taught us or, or demonstrated to us is that people do want to be cared for. They want to be talked to. They, you know, want to feel valued. And so we, we heightened our, our communications and cultivation through that season. And we're not stopping just because COVID is, quote, over. Is yeah. it over? Whatever it I'm is. I'm calling it post-COVID. <laughs> Post-COVID, <laughs> yeah. It just feels reassuring. Uh, right, right. <laughs> so we can actually automate all of that for these larger scale organizations. So, you know, actually, I think that there's a lot that we can learn from smaller shops that are doing very, like, intimate grassroots human contact kind of stuff and actually help our larger organizations um, do some of those things because what we're seeing is the more human we can be more personal we can be the greater success these larger organizations have you know we don't have to lean on that big brand that they Mm. are that people know them as they do well of course on the paid media side because they have a big name yeah but at the end of the day, like donors are donors, donors are people. And whether I'm giving to a massive organization um, and a lot of the organizations we work with or some smaller one, you know, they're still giving to a cause that they believe in regardless of size. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. On the the the, ran, the brand, name brand recognition, sorry, yeah. that tongue twister there. Mm-hmm. I, I was talking with like about a year ago, World Vision. Sure. And which they're yeah, in the the size. top percentile, for sure. But they were, it was interesting because they said that they had they had a name brand recognition problem in the United States, and shocking, yeah. I, and and yeah. so it got me it got me thinking: is that it? Like when when you think of like uh, Nike, right? Sure. Like everyone knows Nike, mm-hmm. and uh, when you and when you you know, are talking about like nonprofits in, yeah. in particular, like in the nonprofit world, it's a big brand, sure. But like. I guess here's the question. Sorry, it's a long about ways. Does that not translate to like individual donors or, or like the general population because less people give than buy Nikes? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So like is name brand recognition harder for nonprofits because the audience is smaller? Oh, that's a tough question, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, just I, a light little, you know, <laughs> thing to think about. I don't look at them in the same same breath. Like, yeah. you know, if I'm going to purchase a new pair of Nike Kicks and give to a nonprofit, whether it has great name recognition or not, my motivation is radically different. Yeah. And maybe I'm not yeah. answering your question right. So I, I think that there's things that we can do about name recognition and there's things that we do do about name recognition um, and we can do that easily digitally um, but I, I don't I don't think it's a, 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 a an issue really at all yeah. and I think that those larger organizations they do lean on that brand recognition they do see easier greater better results than yeah. the smaller ones is that trust just because it's like oh like I know my money is going to be used I, I'm guaranteeing my money is going to be used better than if I give to a small organization or is, is it that or no I don't I don't I don't think necessarily I again I think for donors it's like how well are are you communicating your value proposition like yeah at the end of the day whether you're the largest nonprofit or the small nonprofit 
you know, actually what we see with large nonprofits is they do tend to lean on that brand, brand recognition oh, and see. get a little bit lazier with, with value proposition uh, and communicating really like what it is that they do, yeah. you know, or like what a donor can actually accomplish through their organization. Cause like, well, we're so-and-so, you know, like, of course you want to give to us. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't matter if you have a well-known name or not. You still have to communicate what you're doing. Cause at the end of the day, like there's also a retention thing, yeah. right? So if I give to you, cause I think you're cool this week. And actually that's a thing that's happening with younger demographic is younger demographics are giving to organizations one that they like this week in a month. They're like, Oh, I like this one. So they give to another one, yeah. you know, like whatever is, is kind of out in the marketplace then you that all you're leaning on at that point is brand recognition instead of like oh by the way you're doing this incredible mission and reminding them of that mission over and over and over again so yeah. to me it's like value proposition conquers everything whether you have a big brand or small brand and that is an area that regardless of size that we have to do better at yeah so. absolutely another thing i wanted to ask you about is donor experience I was talking earlier with uh, Francesco from UNICEF mm. and his job, his sole job was donor experience and to, and, and to come up with like a methodology to huh. score sort of like how satisfied, kind of like an NPS, yeah. but a little bit more in depth and, and, sure. and so forth. And, and they're sort of like thesis, which I totally agree with, is that like if we can retain, you know, X percentage more donors, we'll grow faster sure. uh, because acquiring donors is more expensive and it's harder. Absolutely. So the question is uh, working with the top five to 10 percent of, of nonprofits, how much do they prioritize donor experience and to the point of like even budgeting for donor mm. experience, right? And not just like how good does your website look and how easy it to, is it to donate, mm -hmm. more kind of like the stewardship side of sure. like, what is the experience post, you know, donation? Yeah, sadly, maybe, do I start with that? Yeah, that's fine, yeah. <laughs> sadly, Kava, <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. No, I mean, I I, I would love to, to, we would love to think that they're doing an incredible job at that. But again, I think that so much is focused on acquisition. Yeah that donor experience does kind of become at least a secondary or even like the third priority. Yeah. Um, acquisition is always at the, at the forefront of everything. So to hear that, like that is his job, your job is donor experience. I, I want that job. First of all, it's yeah. my favorite part is, <laughs> is loving on donors. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. So most organizations do not have necessarily a, a, a separate team devoted to a donor experience. Um, I'd be curious what he's, he's doing. Yeah. Um, and maybe other teams are like, well, our marketing team does that or our, you know, XYZ team does that. They just don't have a cool title. Like, um, yeah, our, yeah. our friend from UNICEF, but it is an area that I think that it's like, well, we do it. We think we do it yeah. well, but it's, we I don't put on our newsletter. <laughs> we get it. We give them an email every, right. every once in a while. <laughs> oh yeah. we got great experience. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, do are they doing it well? I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for improvement there um, for for honestly all nonprofits, which is is crazy to think that because we're working with these larger ones. Yeah, so. and it's there is the reason why I mean I, I'm like really interested in in this topic because retention mm. has just been horrendous. Yes. you know for uh -huh. decades, and it, it doesn't seem like nonprofits are really trying to address it. Sure, and coming uh, out of and, COVID. Right. Yeah. And, and or like even like or they like put the they are like oh like we got to get tech to like do this for us like well, to me this isn't a tech solution no, not at all uh, it's it's really a strategic like it's initiative intention. it's culture at the organization yeah, yeah an intention um, and it's like it's so it to me it's also a math problem yeah. it's so <laughs> easy to math out yeah if we were to increase retention by X percent yes 
we could bring down costs on acquisition yes. and we could actually grow at, at this rate. Yeah. I, I just don't understand why like this hasn't been addressed. It is and, wild. And is it like, and then and so it gets me thinking how much of it is on the organization versus mm. the donor's attention span and they, they find a new mm. cause. Sure. Um, I don't know if there's, I don't, I don't have any data around sort of like the average kind of like lifespan sure. a donor gives to an organization. Sure. So I'm kind of curious about that. But Yeah. I mean, it's our job. It's our job. And I say our job is fundraisers. So it's whether yeah. that's an agency that's helping you, it's the organization itself, it is our job to retain the donors. Yeah. Yes, they're going to get distracted and they're going to be, you know, whatever the next best nonprofit is that maybe they're going to give to um, for younger demographics. But at the end of the day, we have to understand how to retain them and what brought them in originally. And I just don't think that a lot of the times we do a lot of that work. Yeah. I think we, again, become lazy of like, well, we acquired them. They're just not staying on our file because they're not staying on our file. They're they're bored with us or, you know, whatever it is. They went on and moved on. Well, the reality is, like, have we done our work to actually say, well, what is it that motivated them to give in the first place? What have they been receiving? Is it the right kind of communication? Is it the right frequency of communication? Um, you know, are we, are we giving them that high-touch um, experience? You yeah. know, I, I just actually gave a talk on mid-level giving. And um, someone's like, well, could I just do this like high touch to our broad based general file? I'm like, 100 percent we should be. Yeah, because that is the problem. Justin is like, you know, we, we said we have this like mid-level donor crisis because they're not getting high touch and not getting regular, you know, communications like the general file. But really, at the end of the day, if retention is an issue and we know that major donors are sticking around because we're giving them the white glove treatment and mid-levels are starting to come around to that, then why are we not treating the rest of our file yeah. in that way? Yeah. And we can. But again, it comes back to the organization. It is our responsibility to do that. Another thing that uh, on this point, uh, not to bring up UNICEF again, but I was fascinated by this because they're trying to solve this retention yeah. problem internally as well. And they started doing testing different hmm. like strategies. And uh -huh. so they broke uh, a group of donors into two different cohorts, same size, size gifts, same within the same year of giving, sure. right? So they had two different cohorts. And one group they called on their birthday to say happy birthday, like uh -huh. you mean a lot to us. Uh, and the other group, they didn't. Mm -hmm. The group that they made those phone calls to um, had increased their gift by 5X and stayed around uh, almost three times it's longer. Amazing. And it's, it's just a simple, things. yeah, that simple. small little thing a like that. A birthday right? phone call. Yeah. We've done testing with that uh, in email. We, I, we added one additional email on a weekend. All it was was cultivation, value add to half of our file for six months. We looked at the retention and giving after. Again, no additional asks. They were getting everything else that everyone else was getting. It was one additional cultivation email just to like check in on them, give them an article, really just to love on them. And it increased overall revenue by 26%. Wow. Wow. One additional yeah. cultivation. One, one diff. Yeah. That's amazing. It's from, amazing. Like, yeah. From some random person at the organization who had never sent an email before, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's amazing. It's like top of mind. Yeah. We did, when I was at Liberty North Korea, we did, um, we called it like your, your uh, birthday, um, your your something it was basically it was on the anniversary of your first gift to the organization oh yeah and so so 12 months after your first gift you get an email to say hey you know happy happy yeah. happy giving birthday yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you so much for and we didn't do an ask but the conversion rate and people actually come back and just giving after it's that remarkable. was remarkable and so sometimes it's like the smallest dumbest things no and again that actually it doesn't take a lot and that's yeah. why my word was like it takes intention yeah, that is it that's it that yeah. is it yeah. It's not some like big additional team, big additional budget, 
big additional technology. It yeah. is really just like, how about we start? <laughs> how about we start caring? Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, okay, one last question, yep. and then rapid fire. All right. um, any campaigns coming up that you're really excited about that you think is new, different? Anything that like that you're excited or, or project? Yeah, um, we're doing a mobile giving study right now. Okay, um, that's going to come out in the fall, right before our summit. Nice. So yeah, so I'm I'm really excited about that because I mean. We do a ton of testing. We have over, actually, we just hit today 3,500 experiments in our library, which is wow. a huge accomplishment. They like, ring the bell, have a cake come in, all the things <laughs> while I'm here. So 3,500 experiments, and of those experiments, most of them are, are not focused on mobile giving. And and while we, we did test, you know, whatever the thing is, the element we tested was on both desktop and mobile devices, the test and the hypothesis itself was not focused on the mobile device. And we know obviously the mobile experience is so radically different. Yeah, yeah. And so we did a research study. We just conducted it, just finished giving to over 200 and some organizations through our mobile phones and looked at the experience of the giving form, what communications looked like after. And now we're pulling together the research for that to kind of see, well, what is the state of nonprofit giving on mobile devices? And that also then allows us to understand and look for opportunities of where and what we should be testing to get an even greater response on mobile devices. Because we know that mobile giving is about half of what it is on desktop, even though traffic is, you know, almost double what yeah. it is on mobile devices. Yeah. So, Interesting. I'm yeah. excited to read that, read that report. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. All uh, right. Let's do some right. rapid fire oh gosh, okay. here. There's no right or wrong answers. Um, so okay. don't, don't, don't right. stress it. All right. Okay. First question. Are you more into movies or series? I, I know this is rapid fire. I understand that it takes one answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. You can have multiple if you need it. <laughs> Series if I'm at home, movies in the theater for the popcorn. Okay. Okay. What right. what series? What's your active series right now? I do really dark drama okay. TV series, so I'm finishing Ozarks right now. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you want to st stay on the dark theme, yes. Uh, go to Severance next. Uh, done. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> um, tacos or cheeseburgers? Oh, tacos. Tacos. Uh, you're in Texas, right? Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. But All not right. originally. But yeah. All right. Okay. Uh -huh. um, beach or the mountains. Beach, hands yeah. down. Oh yeah, easy. My home, yeah. Digital reading or, or where's your home? Uh, no, not really. Oh, your home. Not I really. see. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. like in my heart. In your heart. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got it. I got yeah, you. Okay. Digital reading or an actual book? Audio. Audio. Okay. <laughs> okay. There you go. Right. Ice cream or froyo? Ice cream. Ice cream. You know, I think I, everyone has said ice cream. I think froyo is on its way out. It's like cupcakes. Yeah. Old news. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, football or football? Football. Football. Okay. Um, last one here. Mo Moana or Aladdin? Oh, oh I know. Rapid fire. <laughs> the Disney heart in me is painful right now. Uh, Aladdin. Come Aladdin. on. Okay. 90s, 90s, you know. Yeah. The best Disney So the, you're, the, you're talking about the cartoon, not the, uh, not the real life Aladdin. Right. Yeah. Right. The original. The original. Yeah. The original. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I would do Moana for the beach side of things, but, you know, and I lived in Hawaii for a while. Too, oh, nice. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for thank joining you. the podcast. Have Appreciate a good rest you. of the conference. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. This podcast is brought to you by your friends at Fundraise, nonprofit fundraising software built by nonprofit people. If you'd like to continue the conversation, find me on LinkedIn or text me at 562-242-8160. 
And don't forget to get your next episode the second it hits the internets. Go to nonstopnonprofitpodcast.com and sign up for email notifications today. See you next time.